I started this series a week ago uh, and, and decided that we would call it Joyful Celebration. And uh, as, as I've been preparing for it and praying for it, uh, the thought behind my mind or in my mind was uh, that there's so much stress and anxiety today uh, that uh, we need to make sure that as a believer that we, we break out of that. And so I'm expecting this morning something amazing to happen uh, in your heart, okay, in your brain, in your mind that will transform you for the rest of your life if, uh, as the scripture says, if you have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. He's the great teacher. We had a, an amazing uh, <laughs> homegoing service yesterday. Can you pull up that first picture? Uh, some of you uh, remember Rose Pruitt. Some of you may not. Uh, she's 91 years old. She, she passed away when she was 91 uh, last week. And we had a service for her. Yes, those are Mickey Mouse ears. Okay? Uh, <laughs> Ro, Rose was probably one of the happiest ladies you'd ever meet. One of the most positive, encouraging, all the way to, to the day that she passed on. She was encouraging people. She was, she was there for people. She was a confidant. I, was just, I just heard report after report yesterday about this lady, and it was just like making me feel like I need to make some changes real quick here <laughs> before I reach that 90 mark, okay? I do have a couple years, by the way, okay? Come on. But it was a, the most unusual, uh, different service. Can I see the second slide? This was a part of this homegoing service yesterday. Uh, the family called me and sheepishly said, you know, what would be the possibility of having a bouncy house for this? You know, and, and uh, of course, I knew Rose, and it just fit her. That was actually her request. She actually planned her, home, her, her whole service. And, 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 uh, and so we, we went ahead and agreed to it, and uh, they put it in. It was right back here in this corner. And, you know, at the end of that service... I was absolutely shocked. There were like just a ton of kids charged over there, and even some of the adults, uh, and just uh, just had a blast. And it was just like it, it was an atmosphere changer. It was already an amazing atmosphere because of the godly, uh, the godly life that this, this, this woman lived. Uh, and her husband passed away, Bob, probably about t uh, 10 years ago, eight years ago. And, uh, and then you also, if you didn't get there, you missed an opportunity, if I could see the next slide, to meet with the queen. Of course, she said to me to tell you hi today, um, but she was right here, and uh, <laughs> they had a whole setup back here for her 91st birthday. Uh, she was a fan of the queen, and they had a big party for the queen, and they got her these type of things, and there were some other things to the left there. Uh, but, you know, it was an amazing celebration. There was a couple that came yesterday that had been to a service the day before. It was a service of uh, potentially unsaved people, and by the time that person left there, they were questioning whether they even wanted to come to another funeral service. It was so so hard. It was so discouraging. It was just left them with this feeling, man, I don't know that we can do two in a row. But after coming here and hearing the testimonies and seeing the celebration, because we actually had it set up like a picnic over here, and thank you, Judy, for really heading that up with some help. Uh, uh, 
picnic tables with the red and white cloths, and she wanted hot dogs and popcorn served. I mean, it was just a celebration, and, and, and it was an amazing time, but this couple just walked away from here with a completely different perspective on life and death. And I thought, how awesome is that? It's an atmosphere you set. It's, it's what you really believe. And, and so, anyway, I want to just take a few minutes this morning to uh, remind us of the key scripture that we looked at last week give you a few thoughts, a few scriptures, and then I want to show you something in a scripture that I would probably say most of you may have never seen. And when you see it, I hope it grips you like it gripped me when I came across the scripture. And we'll see, we'll see that in just a few minutes after we uh, go through a couple other thoughts. And so I'd like to, you know, again, on the back of your bulletin, there's space for notes there. Just write the scriptures down so that you can review them as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47 uh, is what we looked at. It says, if you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. Now, it kind of sounds a little bit harsh, okay? Is that a loving God? <laughs> well, let me just tell you, it, it's a very loving God because these people had just gone through a season where they rejected him, they got involved and engaged in the culture and began to take on the characteristics of the culture and totally left the way of God away from them and ended up their lives became, they ended up in total slavery. They never thought they'd, be, they'd end up there when they started that way. They thought it all seemed okay. Oh, everything's good. Look at them. They're all the people are all enjoying life and they're having fun and everything's great here. But they got sucked into the culture to the degree of total blindness to where they completely rejected everything that God had instructed them on how to have an amazing, what Jesus called the abundant life. That's why Jesus, when he came back, he said, hey, I don't only come to give you life, I want you to have abundant life. And, and so they forgot that, and because of that, they went into complete slavery and complete bondage. And so now this particular book is called the Book of Remembrance. He got them out of there, remember the whole Moses uh, deliverance, got them out of bondage, but th then he had to instruct them again and say, hey, listen, this is the way to live life. This is the way that you let the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is how you can have that abundant life. This is how you can be the head and not the tail. This is how you, I want you to live life here. If you do it my way, you will experience my presence, my leading, my provision, my abundance. Come on, is that good news? That's good news if you ask me. And, and yet we get lulled into the, the surroundings of our culture, and we really, we really sometimes begin to do really exactly what they did. And we stop and say, well, you know, like in the, end of, in the last book of the Old Testament, you know, well, God, how have we done this? They, they, they got so engrossed in the culture and the way that the culture does stuff that they were totally blinded to, to walking out the way that God has things walked out for us. Today, I know uh, many Christians that are living in high stress, anxiety, and it's literally controlling their lives. 
and they struggle to stay above the water with it, and it's like they're treading water sometimes to even get away from that. And, and, and anxiety and stress, uh, most of us have probably experienced it at a time or two at least. Some people live with that feeling is very real in its feeling. It really feels real. It's really, man, you, you, know, uh, you know, it used to be because I'm not of that makeup, uh, maybe uh, because my skin is too thick or something, I'm not of that makeup, I really couldn't understand how somebody could feel that way. Come on, it's just a feeling. Come on. And just, you know, kick them in the rear and come on, let's move forward. You know, and that was kind of my attitude. But as I've grown and begin to understand how powerful it is and how powerful it can be, I begin to get stirred in my heart about it. And really it was a, really it was a change in general, I think, toward people going through struggles. And it wasn't until I was paralyzed for two months up to my nose before God healed me, that I really began to realize, man, now I'm starting to get this thing. Now I understand some of this stuff. And when the, 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 the syndrome that I had that paralyzed me left me in a place where my mind was racing to understand what was happening to my body. So at one point... Because this, uh, uh, this, this syndrome that attacked my system, my autoimmune system, it totally took that little thin layer that you have over the top of your nerves, over that runs all through underneath your skin. It totally removes that. And so that means you have bare nerves, which means when, at times my, my skin would, felt like it was a, a giant building crushing me. That's what my mind was telling me. And I was sitting in the lane there just, wow. Man, I'm going to die, you guys. Does anybody realize I'm about to die? I'm being crushed. But, no, you know, the nurses, they understood the, the situation, and so they were just a little too calm, if you ask me, about it, <laughs> you know. But the reality of my mind, and I, I remember wrestling through for hours with that feeling of maybe not being able to breathe or, you know, one time I, uh, I had what they call... Um, I can't really remember what they call it. <laughs> but it's when you lose a limb, it's phantom limb. When you lose a limb, uh, if your arm gets severe uh, instantly, then you don't realize that that's not working, that it's gone. You actually still feel that it's there. And I remember waking up one morning thinking, you know, i got to get out of this place. <laughs> I'm about sick of this thing. I'm, you know, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. And I remember thinking, well, I better exercise. That's one way I'll get stronger and be able to get out of here. And I really thought I got tired exercising until I looked down, and I can say it easier than what it felt at the moment, but I looked down and I saw that my arms weren't moving. They couldn't move, but yet I was feeling it, and I was feeling even the tiredness of it. And I thought, wow, your mind is so amazing. And, you know, Rosin, you would know that. She'd be in the hospital, a nurse, and uh, so forth. It's just amazing how strong our minds are. A matter of fact, neuroscientists are saying this now, finally catching up with the Bible. Uh, <laughs> science isn't against the Bible. If it's truly looked at, it actually proves the Bible. It's absolutely phenomenal. But they caught up with it. But listen to this. They say that 87 to... 95% of our emotional and physical sicknesses come from our thoughts. 
That's the number. Now think about that. Your physical sickness is being affected because of your thoughts. They're also, the neuroscientists are also saying that when, you were, when we were first created, and or the way we were created is that we were actually created to love. We weren't created to hate. And our brains are wired that way. And part of the challenge that's coming, now that they're discovering this, I mean, you know, neurons kind of run your body and you have a billion of them. Or really, 100 billion is the number. Some say 80 to 100 billion neurons racing through your body, responding to your brain. And so your thoughts can impact your brain, or should be, in the right way, so that it will send the right signals. But because it's not, because we're not operating and functioning in the way that we were created to function, we are allowing all these outside thoughts and influences to come in and really change our brain. And when your brain is changed, it changes everything that goes on in your system. From sending help to the right part of your physical body to sending encouragement and the right thing to your emotional part of your being. I was just thinking, wow, as I've been researching this, it's just like blowing my mind. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of uh, one of the persons that I've been listening to and ser- uh, searching is Caroline Leaf. How many have heard of her? Yeah, many of you have. Just absolutely phenomenal just to sit back and, and she's a neuroscientist and, and, and just to kind of hear that what all takes place in our brain and how our thoughts are impacting our brain. And some of the struggles that we have is because our brain has already been kind of twisted in such a way that even our our thoughts, just our simple thoughts, aren't able to bring it back to where it needs to be. But I have good news. Galatians chapter 5, let me just read a couple verses to us if if I could. Galatians 5 And verse 5 says, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery which you were once removed. You know, there's, there's something that happened, and Patricia kind of talks about it, and is that, you know, when Jesus came to the earth, what an amazing thing, that he came down to experience what it was like for you and I to live in an everyday basis. And, 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 and it was an amazing thing that he would do that. And he also did it so that he could come and he could take all of the sins. It says, he who knew no sin took, chose to take all of our sin so that you and I could have this abundant life. And I think sometimes, wow, I, we forget about that. I know I've forgotten about that. I know I didn't get saved till I was 21, and I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and, and a totally messed up life, perverted, twisted life, uh, six alcoholic stepdads, and just total, I mean, I didn't know what, nor- I, I began to think all of that was normal. That's how our brains are. My brain began to be molded into this is normal. Okay, this is normal. You, you don't, you, you're not going to change. But when Christ came in, the freedom, the liberty, the light that I begin to see has so transforming, it just blew me away. 
And it just it, it totally turned my life around and set me on a completely different course. Verse 16 of that same chapter says this here, But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature. And I think if we, if we, if we were honest in church today, <laughs> we would say, yep, I've carried out some of those sinful things, you know. I got mad and kicked a dog. I got mad and yelled at the wife. I got mad. I did something sinful. I watched the wrong thing. I listened to the wrong thing. I let the wrong thing get in there. We would, we would be honest with ourselves. But, but then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God or his precepts. Why? Because we've allowed those precepts to be pushed out. And we've let the, the influence of the world to come in. I, I really want you to catch this because if you don't see this, you're, you're going to stay the same and not really allow what I'm going to say to you toward the end to, to really come in and make the difference that it can make. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit and the result of His presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace. Patience, not, not, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Come on, I don't like that definition. I don't like that one. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So all these things are there. One of those is joy. So you, 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 you choose to accept the joy that God has put within you. And that's kind of our topic is how do I get joy? I, I, and the reason that I'm going down this path today with this, uh, this thing and not with a, you know, joyful, joyful, we are joyful thing is that because I think without it, we can't get to the joy that he has for us. You know, what's the old song, this joy that I have? The world didn't give it to me and the world can't, shouldn't be able to take it away. But yet somehow we've lost it. And when we do that, the opposite of joy really does ultimately land us stress, tension, anxiety, and all the things that affect our life on a daily basis, wrong choices, wrong decisions, and things that go on. And so as we, as we uh, let's go to the next scripture, Matthew uh, chapter. This is just a thing I came across, so I'll just throw this in. This is free, okay? Uh, <clears throat> His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And then what does he do in the middle of that? Enter into the joy of your Lord. Wow, what an awesome thing. He wasn't taking them home, I don't think. But he's saying, I want you to enter into, and that, that word enter there means of thoughts that come into the mind. So enter into this place, but you're going to do it with the thoughts that are going to come into your mind. Now, the thoughts have to be right, because if they're the wrong thoughts, then they are never gonna, you're never going to make it there. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, the key there is thinks. As he thinks, how am I thinking how are you thinking well if you're if you're um, if you're if you're if you're living in a culture which we do you know we're in the world not of the world but if we're living in this culture and we're not careful 
our thinking is going to slowly begin to change. It's going to be slowly changing to such a slow, at such a slow pace that I won't even realize, wow, <laughs> I'm thinking wrong. And keep listening. Let me just give you a quote from some neuroscientists. If, if you could just maybe be patient with me for just a couple quotes here. They're a little bit long, but I think you'll see where I'm going to. And this is uh, from people that literally have studied the brain for years and years and years. I mean, they do it now. You know that they are literally, they're working toward it, and they've accomplished it to a small degree where your brain, your thoughts are going to soon be able to create an action. And they're working on it with the, the, uh, the arms, uh, the, is it prosthesis, I think, prosthetics? Anyway, the, the, the arms to where you can literally think and it will respond to it. Because if they can bypass the problem that you have, the, 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 the break in that, if they can bypass that, then your brain's able to communicate. I mean, think about that. That's what they're working on. Now, it might sound a little bit crazy, but I have a wireless mouse on my desk. How many have a wireless mouse? Okay. What does it do? It bypasses everything to do what? To lead something on that screen. Now, I don't understand how it does it any more than I understand how my cell phone does what it does. But guess what? It's doing it. And so, listen to this. People in the world get their behavioral codes from their community, and then they go to the Bible to prove them. This, <laughs> this is crazy, but this is what we do. <laughs> this often overflows into God's church. As personal opinions become more important than truth. Have anybody ever had a personal opinion? No, I, yeah, me neither. I, I just don't know. I just don't live that way. But our opinions become more important than truth. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap that the people in the world do. Human reasonings based on false beliefs can cause our interpretation and our opinions to be false. We can completely be wrong because I'm so opinionated. Now, don't elbow anybody, okay? Much of the false doctrine that infiltrates the church is brought in by individuals who promote beliefs that they acquired from worldly institutions or other religions or just the society as a whole. Most of the time they don't realize that they are promoting worldly knowledge flowing from their own human reasoning. Many times their interpretations are based on false teachings of Protestantism, Catholicism, and other Judo-Christian theology. Or they just bring their politically correct ideas from the world. And we just bring them right into the church. And because I'm so in, in, engrossed into politics or whatever, I bring that into everything that I talk about and read. And we know the word politically correct. And, 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 and one of the examples is uh, that might just come right down to, to earth is is parenting. You know, we're at a place now, I don't know exactly where it's at now because uh, uh, I beat my kids so hard, much when they were little that I, I don't need to beat them anymore. <laughs> so I just don't pay attention to this stuff. 
But it was when we were in Oregon and we had younger ch children, you know, a number of years ago, that there was a time as the law, the rules, the thinking that was going to be best for your kids to not spank them. Has anybody ever heard that one? What did it say? Reason with them. I'm thinking, yeah, I tried that. At six months, it didn't work. I tried it at one year, it didn't work. I tried it at two years. At three years, it completely didn't work. You can't reason with them. They're reasoning with you. But I remember in Oregon, there was a law, that, or not a law passed, but they were starting to talk about this all the time, and it got so bad that if someone saw you spanking your kid at the store, if you want to know what the inside of a round clothes rack looks like, ask my kids. They were in there. Not Jonathan. You know, uh, is that you, they would call the police on you, and they would come, and sometimes, and in some cases, take your kids away from you. And it was just a disaster. And, and I don't think it's gotten better since then. Uh, they backed off a little bit on it, but it's still one of those things where, you know, you just spank your kid the right way, and you could get in real trouble for that. They could come into your home and take your kid away for you spanking them. How many know that that's really true? I mean, it's happening. It's happening. Let me just tell you, it's happening. Now, unfortunately, there's abuse happening, and we don't want that. And we know that happens, but this is going beyond that. Now, listen to, to, to Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. If you're a parent here, about to be a parent in a few more months. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13. Parents, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him, I always love this one, if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. <laughs> we broke so many wooden spoons on them. If you ask my kid, if you, if you ask my kid, don't pass a wooden spoon to them, they might flinch. We broke so many of them. When we asked them, what is this? They would say, spanking. <laughs> that's just, that's what they know him to be. So, Lauren, if he calls it a spanking sometimes, don't, you know, or flinches, don't worry. It's going to be okay. But, you know, it's not going to kill him. Now, that's the Bible. And, and he goes even further in 1324. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And I just think about the culture today. Isn't it just so against that? I've talked to believers. Maybe you wrestle with that or maybe you wrestle with that growing up. I know, you know, I know the thoughts flew through my head about, you know, raising my kids. Man, what if they're right? I'm going to, if I beat them, they're going to become a killer, you know, or whatever the story is. Or they're going to be mean and they're going to rebel. And they're going to do all these things. If you, if, you, if you spank your kids the right way, the, that is absolutely not true. It's a lie. You'll spare them. But yet in our culture today, and I'm talking about believers that I know that I've talked to that have fallen into, well, we better not spank them. We better just reason with them. We better just love them. Well, love is discipline. <laughs> Come on. And, and so that's kind of what I'm talking about is we just kind of shift into this culture thing where all of a sudden we're just kind of going down the road. They went down in so many ways. And it's impacting uh, it's impacting our lives, it's impacting our kids' lives, and so, so forth. Another thought was that the, 
our society, and you probably bear witness with this, has determined that everybody's opinion is of equal value regardless of how ridiculous or sinful it is. That's our culture today. It's whatever you think is okay. And, and, and it's just, that's just where we're at. And if we're not careful because we're surrounded with it, then we begin to fall into it. And the moment that I fall into, let's go back to the parenting one. The moment I fall into the parenting one, what have I done? I've removed the blessing of God on what I'm doing for my kids. This is what happened in Egypt, I'm sure. They just began to, because actually when they, when they left and they had the challenge of the, the Red Sea, which there was a miraculous impart, uh, parting, before that happened, they were saying, oh, Moses, you let us out here to die. Why didn't we stay there where they had the leeks and garlics and all the specialty things? That's just how it is. And so none of us are immune from this. And if you go to college at all or have gone to college, you realize that there is a whole, there's a whole philosophy that our colleges operate on now that a lot of it is anti-biblical. And I'm not, I'm not dogging colleges. We need education. But if you're not careful, they always seem to slip in these classes that are just right there that are uh, bringing a bunch of heresy in. So now I want to look at uh, just a... Uh, uh, just a couple more verses here, and, and, and I'll wrap this up. A couple more verses found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet who God called out to go to a nation and to tell them uh, what they needed to do to change. But he, it's interesting because God told him, now you're going to tell them, but they're not going to listen to you. I mean, how would you like that task? You know, that's exactly what he said. They're not going to listen to you. That's why Jeremiah's next book is called Lamentations or the Book of Weeping. He wept through the element of experiencing what God said was going to happen. And so I want to hear, I want to just get you a little bit, a few thoughts out of this that maybe will help us today. Because I think the whole stress, the whole anxiety that there's this undercurrent that really grips us sometimes, God wants to deal with that. He wants to give us a way to deal with that. Jeremiah chapter 6, and we'll start reading verse 13. Um, because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. This kind of has permeated the whole entire culture. Now I think about it, one of the larger churches in, a, in our area here, the, 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 the lead pastor decided that the Bible needed to be interpreted according to the culture. And so now everything goes, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, all of that is okay because that's what our culture is saying. And so he's saying here, man, everybody's going down. And in, in this case, they were all dead. And so it's important for us to capture that so that we cannot feel like, man, this doesn't apply to me. I'm a pretty good Joe. Or Sally. Sorry, Sally. <laughs> I guess I should have said Steve and Sally, but that would have really been bad. <laughs> All right, let's read a couple more verses and get me out of here, okay? Uh, they have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, 
Peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, they were speaking false things. And when they, uh, when they, uh, were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. You hear what he's saying here? Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time, I will punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Wow. Man, what a state. What a, what a place to be when you can get to that place where the Lord says, yeah, it's just, it's just bad. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Go back to the old paths, get back to it and walk in it. <clears throat> then you will find what? Rest for your soul. See, here we go. Anxiety, come on, get out in the name of Jesus and come in with this rest because I'm going to walk with you. Now, if we're not careful, we're so intermingled with the culture and the world that we think we're doing what's right. And this is exactly where they're at because he's saying even the priests were there. Even the religious folk were there. We're all in this thing. They all got so sucked into it. And when we're living in a culture, if you haven't felt if you haven't felt Romans 12 yet, that they're trying to conform you to this world, and you're just not awake. You just need to wake up and feel that thing that you're feeling is not some political pressure. It's the very work of the enemy trying to get you to conform or be conformed, which just simply means it's a mold. You get pushed into, squeezed into a mold. We're trying to be squeezed into a mold. And he goes on, he says, Also I will set a watchman over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. So this is the point where we can get to the place where we just don't want to listen. But I don't think any of them realized where they were really at. Now here's the verse I want to close with. In verse 18. And I want you to hear this because if you can receive this today and then just give you a little bit of instruction afterwards, it can be transforming. Therefore, hear, you nations, and know, O congregation. So he's talking about everybody here, he's talking about the church. What is among you? Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people. Even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my word nor my law, but rejected it. Even the fruit of their own thoughts. This is what was impacting them. They all of a sudden got wrong thinking going. We read it earlier. You know, if you serve the Lord, you need to do it with joy and gladness or the curse comes upon you. Why? Because God's heart and his spirit, his fruit of his spirit, one of them is joy. And you say, man, I've given you this, and you need to tap into it more than you're tapping into everything that's stealing your joy. It's robbing you of your joy. It's causing stress over your life. And, 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 and so I'll certainly bring calamity on this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my word. Your thoughts are impacting your life today. And so I thought, well, Lord, what do we do about it? 
what can we really do? Everybody here that's experienced stress and anxiety and anxiety attacks don't want them. I don't like stress. I don't like to feel anxiety. It's a horrible feeling. It's something that if you acknowledge it, you'll realize it's exactly what the Bible says. It's a spirit. The spirit of fear gets on you and creates this deep sense of anxiety and stress. And I said, Lord, what do we do about it? He reminded me, and this is, this is not up there. He took me back to Psalms chapter 1. And I, and I want to read this to us because I'm going to ask you to do something, especially if you're struggling with anxiety like really bad. And, and I, I tell you, you know, they, uh, again, back to the neuroscientists and what they're thinking, that it takes 21 days to really to change a habit or to change, uh, to change your brain back to the, where it's supposed to be because your brain is your, your, brain is your command center. center. So when something happens to you, when something happens to you, if I threw a rock at you right now, if you're normal, your hand would respond immediately, right? You wouldn't have to think about that, although your brain really has. It's packed with information. It maybe had to find out the hard way that if you don't, you're going to get hit in the face with a rock. But nonetheless, something remolded your brain to tell you when something's coming at you, you do that. But you don't think about doing that when that's happening. But what your brain does is it races to the file cabinet to see what do you do. Now, this is, I'm talking, you're talking about you have 100 billion neurons in your body that are like electrical, electricity going through your body, responding to every one of life's situations and everything that you do. That's why you have so many thoughts throughout the day. Every one of us has thoughts throughout the day, gazillions of them. We're processing things. But when something happens to you, your brain goes to the file cabinet to get the answer. And if the answer wasn't put your hand up, then that rock would hit you right in the face. But the answer is put your hand up. And it's just so automatic that you think that's just normal. But it's not normal for everybody, right? We understand that. There's some people that have neurological damage that that would not be normal to, or mental damage that that's not normal to. And I'm just saying for us as believers, if we could capture this and understand this, and, and, and begin to say, you know, I am going to reprogram my brain because it's been damaged. They used to think that your brain wouldn't change back in the 70s and the 80s. But today they are convinced that you can change your brain. You don't have to stay the same. And so listen to Psalms and, and, and just grab a piece of this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful or your culture. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. He wakes up in the morning meditating on the law. He goes to bed at night meditating on the law. That word meditate is not just a simple word. It's, a, it's, the, it's, a, it's an illustration of a cow that chews cud. He chews the cud, he swallows it, but then later he regurgitates it, he brings it back up, 
and he chews it some more, and then he swallows it, and it happens again. And what's he doing? He's getting every ounce of nutrition out of that that he could possibly get. By what? By meditating. By going over it and over it. And I said, well, Lord, how do we do that? How do I allow myself to do that? I know a lot of Bible. I've heard a ton of sermons. I've been to church a long time. I'm still at some areas. How do I do that? And I really felt like this is what he said. If we would just go back to memorizing Scripture, you have to meditate to memorize. You got to picture it. You got to think about it. You got to say it. You got to write it out. You got to do all these things. Because remember, in the Old Testament, they actually had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. It's like, wow, this is amazing. And I thought, well, is that what we need to do? And I just really felt like he said, yes. Let's just get started. And this isn't for some of us. I think we all need to do this. It's let's start memorizing Scripture. That's simple homework if you ask me. And if you know that it's really going to reprogram your brain, then you're going to jump into this thing. It's been a long time since I've memorized Scripture. I know a fair amount of Scriptures just by memory. And maybe you do too. But I have to admit when I was praying about this and getting ready for this, I thought, wow, I guess I can't say that I've really memorized intentionally a scripture for a while. I guess I say them so much and hear them so much and I preach them so much that I kind of bypass that. I thought, nope. I think, I hope this isn't too simple, but if you'll just begin to memorize scripture, just get yourself a list of scriptures. And maybe, you know, for me, when I was first saved, I was changed by going to scriptures that I needed to hear. And for me, I remember going through a stressful season in my life, so much so that I went to the doctor uh, as I was having such stomach issues. And I never forget the day how mad I was when he said, you just have stress. And man, I went to the Bible. I found every scripture on peace that I could possibly find. And I began to read through them out loud and read through them out loud. And all of a sudden, when I got to Psalms 119 verses 165, it hit me like a balloon and ripped that out of me, and I never had a day of stomach stress since. That's just how powerful the word is, and we got to begin to get back into it like we've never got into it before. And I know, you know, I, and I, I've been kind of careful. Of, no, I haven't. <clears throat> I, I kind of sometimes make a little bit of mockery. It's a confession. I'm at church. I'm going to go home clean today, baby. <laughs> About devotionals. You just get a devotional, you read your devotional, and when you're done with your devotional, you've done your duty. The Bible is so much more than that. The Bible is the power of God. The Word is the most powerful thing in this universe. It's the thing that will transform your life if you will allow it to the right way. I I think it was uh, (laughs) the Word of God that saved Lucas. When you guys were confessing it, you guys were shouting it, you were not letting anybody else say another thing about it. When Lucas drowned, God brought him back to life. But the Word of God was a testimony and nothing else was accepted. I I wonder if maybe that's why sometimes Jesus would say, hey, you guys stay out here. Just let me, I better just go in by myself or it'll never happen. Because you got doubt and you got fear and you got all these things. 
But if you'll just begin to take what I'm saying, and again, this is your homework. Just begin to set yourself on a, on a daily uh, practice of memorizing Scripture. Now, for some of you, you'll memorize a Scripture in one day. But some of you, it might take a few days. But begin to meditate on it and begin to say, Lord, show it to me. Because remember, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Lord, show me the depth of this scripture. Don't let me stay on the surface. I don't want just the parable. I want to know the meaning of this parable. I want you to transform my life with the renewing of my mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm relieving that that's true, and I'm going for it as if it's true. How do I renew my mind? How do you really change your brain? It's just not by a brief thought, but it's by you taking the Word and thinking about it and pulling it in and receiving it as the truth and not letting anything else fight against that until that truth sets in and makes its way into your system and changes your life forever, whatever the situation is. And just remember, I, I'm still wrapping my head around it. 78 to 95% of our emotional and physical sickness is because of our thoughts. God, we need to take our thoughts and captive. So let's pray. Father, this morning, I, I pray. I feel you're going to do something amazing this morning. I pray for every person that specifically that is wrestling with anxiety attacks and stress attacks and, and, and excessive stress. And Lord, today we, we speak against it in the name of Jesus by the word of God that you said that the peace of God would reign inside of us. And Lord, we, we pray for those and we just stand in agreement believing for a miracle to take place. And God, I pray for all of us that, Lord, this very thing about our thoughts and what we think about and how we meditate, Lord, is more important than we would have ever known. And today, God, we bring ourselves back to that place. We won't be like the ones that Jeremiah ministered to that refused to say this is true. But Father, we come to you today and I pray that you stir every one of our hearts with this and, Lord, begin to change the way that we look at your word and that we memorize your word and that we meditate on your word and that we, that we uh, receive your word as the only absolute truth on this planet. So, Father, just come, even this morning, seal it in our thinking, even begin to change the way our brains are functioning now. In Jesus' name, amen.